told uh, about the little girl who was on her way, uh, uh, who on her way back from school used to go swimming in the local lake. Her, her mother found out and was horrified and told her, you shouldn't do that. So the next morning, as the daughter was going out, mum decided to check her, her school bag and she found in it the girl's swimming costume. What's this, said mum. I, I thought I told you you weren't to go swimming in the lake after school. And the little girl replied, oh mum, don't worry, I'm not going to go swimming, but I put it in just in case I was tempted. <laughs> um, well, Jesus is tempted. If you would note, please, that he is led by the Spirit into the desert. Please don't think that if you are tempted, it means that you are not a Christian. Jesus was full of the Spirit, and he was tempted. Here it is the Spirit who takes Jesus into that place where he is going to do battle with Satan. <coughs> and this is serious stuff. When Satan comes to him, he doesn't play around with things like adultery, fornication, stealing, lying, or murder. Though those temptations are too obvious. They are, in the words of one preacher, John Piper, um, games that sub-devils play with weak saints like you and me. But this is serious stuff. Um, when Satan addresses the Son of God, he means business. He tempts him by appealing to two of our deepest human desires. The almost overwhelming desire for human physical survival and the desire for glory, to be like God. And when those two temptations do not work, he tries to get Jesus to question, can God be trusted? Do I really trust God? So Satan tells Jesus to turn the stones into bread, if in fact it probably is uh, as, easy, as, as good a translation to say since, if since you're the son of God, command these stones to become a loaf of bread. Not in order to get people to believe in him, not in order to feed the starving of the world, but simply to use his identity, to use his power as the Son of God to save himself. Jesus is starving. He has fasted for 40 days. That could be a symbolic number. There are echoes in this story of the 40 years the people of Israel spent in the wilderness. But I have no reason for not believing that it was a literal 40-day fast. 40 days without food is about the longest that a person can survive without doing themselves permanent damage. But it certainly will leave a person famished. It will leave them in a pretty serious state. And it is then that Satan comes to Jesus and makes the suggestion, turn these stones into bread. You know, Jesus, if you don't eat, 
you are going to die. Use your power to save your life. But Jesus says, no. Even though every part of my body, even though every part of my body craves for food, even though my body is beginning to shut down, I know that there is something far more important than bread to live for. One does not live by bread alone. So Satan moves on and tempts Jesus to seek glory for himself and declare his independence from his father. This was a tried and tested method. It had worked on Adam and Eve. Remember, Satan says to Adam and Eve, eat this apple, eat this fruit. Actually, it's not apple. Eat this fruit and you will become like God. And they believed his lie. They ate the fruit. And look what happened. Of course, I'm sure that Jesus would have said, yes, but with me, if I seize power, it will be different. It will be different than if Caesar rule or if Herod rule. With me, I would make things very, very different. Dostoevsky tells the story in the Brothers Karamazov of the Grand Inquisitor. Jesus returns to Seville at the time of the Inquisition. He performs a few miracles and he is arrested and sentenced to be burned to death. On the night before his execution, the Grand Inquisitor interrogates Jesus. He condemns him because he resisted each of the temptations and particularly this second temptation. He tells Jesus, you could have made people believe in you. Look at how much you could have done. Look at how much suffering would have been avoided if you had taken the power and the glory. And the Grand Inquisitor says to Jesus, we don't need you anymore. Uh, we've gone over to the other side. We have decided to take that power onto ourselves and we will compel people to believe they will have no choice but we will bring order. At the end of his speech, he invites Jesus to respond. But Jesus does not speak a word. He is silent. Instead, he gets up and he kisses the 90-year-old, blood-dry lips of the Grand Inquisitor. He kisses him. Jesus refused to set himself up as God because he knew that there is only one God, his Father. Jesus refuses to compel us to serve him, to obey him, because in his love he wants us to be free to choose him. So Satan says to Jesus, okay, you say there's far more to life than physical cravings. Okay, you refuse to seize power because you say you'll only worship God and put him first and do things his way. How do you know that God can be trusted? Test him. If you are the son of God, do something that will show that God, your father, can be trusted. We read Psalm 91. Psalm 91 says that if you throw yourself down off, God will catch you with his angels. 
and he will lift you up. Okay, let's go to the highest point. Let's go to the top of the church tower and throw yourself off. And let's see. And then prove that God keeps his word. It's a very clever temptation. If Jesus says, no, I won't do that, Satan could then say to Jesus, aha, you don't really trust in God. But Jesus knows his Bible better than the devil. He replies, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, he's saying, I will not presume to test God my Father because that makes me a judge of God. And nobody, but nobody can judge God. And as for me, I will trust him and I will do things his way. I don't know what specific temptations you are facing, but I do know that among them, you will face the temptation to put physical things, the body, the desires of the body, possessions, money, the longing for companionship, before obedience to God. That is actually why fasting as a discipline can be so helpful. It just reminds us when we start to feel hungry that there is something that is far more important than food. And you will face the temptation to grab glory, to become famous. I was reading on one news outlet this week about a particular website which has been set up in order to help parents make their children famous. And if we don't particularly wish to become famous, then we will still want to be respected and honoured. But that is when we need to remember the first lines of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, honoured be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And we finish for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours. And there will also be times when you will be tempted to doubt whether God can really be trusted, especially when the bad stuff happens. Hold on to the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, knew those temptations. Hold on to the fact that he battled with him and won. In fact, for Jesus, those temptations were only skirmishes with Satan. They were like a mountaineer training to climb Mount Everest. And he does it by practicing on the foothills. They were preparing him for a fourth temptation, which only Luke speaks about specifically in this sort of way. It was the greatest and final temptation that Jesus would face. It didn't come in the physical wilderness. It came as he hung on the cross. The leaders of the people mock him. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. And then the soldiers say, using the exact same words that Satan has used twice here, if you are, or since you are, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Use your identity and power to save your physical life. Use your identity and power to come down and show us and establish your kingdom. You cannot trust God. You've got to do it your way now. 
I do not doubt for one moment that Jesus could have saved himself. But I also know that if Jesus had given in to that final temptation, if he had saved himself, we would not be here today. There would be no salvation. And yes, we would no doubt be subjects. We would, if you like, be slaves of Jesus, doing what he wants because he commands it. But we could never know him as our friend. And perhaps as Jesus hung on the cross, the thoughts, in the sort of way that unconnected fragments of thoughts race around our head and smash, in, eat, and smash into each other when we're in the hell of pain, must have asked, can God be trusted? Look at what has happened to me, and can I really trust him? But we know the answer to that. Because just before he dies, Jesus cries out an amazing prayer of trust. A prayer that each one of us is invited to pray. Father, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit.